0: i uh, got a new venue for recording, uh, we're on Spotify now, so if you go to Spotify, or really if you, if you go to Google and just type in uh, Today's Truth Matters, or even type in Pleasant Hill Baptist Church or my name, with some variation, there's enough sermons out there now that will pop up, so if you're interested, those are recorded. I try to put those on, probably not today, I won't be able to get today, so they'll be traveling to my mother's, but uh, they'll be out there sometime this week, Okay. So I got lots of notes here this morning because I'm going to be in four different areas of the Bible. I'm not going to keep you very long as people are normal, normal times, so don't be concerned about that. But I only have to take copious notes when I'm in four or five different areas, right? So this is a little bit unusual for me, but I want to give us an overall perspective of motherhood. And we're going to take a look at just a very brief summary of just four mothers in the Bible. They're all in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at Ruth and Samuel and First and Second Kings. Thank you, moms, for all that you do. You know, I listened to that song. It was just beautiful. Yeah. The influence uh, mothers have on us. We're not to lose sight of, even on Mother's Day, we preach God's word. This is a nice, if you look around, old traditional country, Southern Baptist Church. Love to see the pews full like this. Thank you for coming. I preach the word of God, though. I want you, by the end of the service today, to feel good about what God's doing in your life. And I want us to have a better appreciation for not only Jesus and his forgiveness and what he did on the cross for us, but how we see that emulated in so many lives of the women in our lives and, and, and mothers. My daughter... Celebrates her first Mother's Day today with my grandson, which is a sweet thing. Yeah. I'm going to go up and see my mom today up in Canton. Moms are special. When we have difficult times, even as a man, call home, Mom there? No offense, dad. Dad, dad, dad. dad just don't talk well when it comes to something. Mom? Mom, what's going on? You want to talk to your dad? No, I want to talk to you, Mom. I hope you have that kind of relationship with somebody in your life, you know. So it's, it's a special thing to be a mom and maybe even if you're a stepmom or an adoptive mom, that's wonderful. You're, you're important to some child or some adult, some human. You're very, very important to. Don't underestimate your value. You ladies were created uniquely made for the families that you serve. All of you. Don't wish you were somebody else. I know you might have some brats. You might have a few black sheep in the family, and if you don't have one, it might be you. Right? I don't have anybody like that. It might be me. I'm kidding. You know that. So I want to take a look at uh, mothers today in the Bible and just kind of look at four summaries, and then uh, there'll there'll be a kind of a, a writing theme for that so hang on with me so if you'll turn to me i'll be in ruth you're familiar with ruth the short four chapters i mean it won't take you but 10 minutes to read it all right but it's just a wonderful story um this is uh ruth is uh mother-in-law's naomi you may be familiar with naomi okay verses 1 6 through 16 we're going to see that uh It says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, it says that a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Amalek, and his wife was Naomi. We're going to jump down to verse 6. Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law, there's two of them, got ready to leave for Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, "Should go back to your mother's, your mother's homes. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. And may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept no they said we we want to go with you your people but naomi replied you should go on why should you go on with me can i can can i still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands no my daughters return to your parents homes for i am too old to marry again and even if it were possible and i were to get married tonight and bear sons then what would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else no, of course not. My daughters, things are far more bitter for me than you because the Lord Himself has raised His fist against me. <laughs> and again they wept together. And Orpha kissed her mother in law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, Your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Hmm. See, orphan Ruth were not uh, mothers at this time. Their husbands were dead, been killed. There's a situation where they just didn't, didn't have any kids yet. And Naomi's uh, husband had died and they were all three widows and left without a kinsman redeemer, without a family basically to take care of them. But carry on the name, if you will. And the one daughter-in-law, Ruth, she says, you know what? Your God is my God. I'm going to follow you. It would be a lot easier for her to go back to Moab, but she decided not to. And I can imagine the conversation, you know, Ruth telling, uh, excuse me, Noamie telling, uh, telling Ruth, It'd be a lot easier for you to go back to your home country because the guys in in Jerusalem, the the folks in Judah, they're not going to wed you. They're not going to have anything to do with you. Life's going to be tough. They're not going to intermingle. They're not going to intermarry. But uh, Ruth says, no, no, no. Um, I'm going to go with you. Realizing that the spiritual truth behind that was more valuable than anything she stand to gain, maybe materially, in the unknown, where she was headed. She had no idea what she was doing, but she spiritually decided to follow Naomi, her mother-in-law. She went because that's where God was. She had no idea where God was leading. If we move on through the book of Ruth, we see that in chapter 4, Boaz marries Ruth and The way that happens is that Ruth is out in the fields gleaning. She's collecting grain and she wasn't doing anything. She wasn't out soliciting, trying to find a date. She wasn't out trying to advertise. She wasn't playing the field, if you will. She was in the field. But this older man, Boaz, notices her and says, Who is that? He takes her in and Boaz marries Ruth. This is in verse 13 of chapter 4 of Ruth. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Hmm. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in all Israel. May he restore your youth and care for your, you in your old age for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and he has been better to you than seven sons Naomi took the baby cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own you know who that baby is they named that baby Obed Obed is the father of Jesse Jesse is the father of King David King David is the lineage of Jesus. Wow. There's a lot more to that story, but hang with me, okay? So because one woman decides to follow God instead of following her perhaps immediate instincts and the things she might have wanted at the time, the blessing occurred. What a huge blessing. And, you know, if Orpha, the other daughter in law had decided to go as well, instead of, Taken the easy road. Sorry, but she did. She, she went back to where she knew she would be able to find a husband. She would be readily uh, available and willing. The other men would be being of the same uh, background. But if she had chosen to do what Ruth did and go with Naomi, Naomi, I keep saying Naomi. <coughs> I'm thinking of Lo-ami, Naomi. Then she too would have been blessed by God somehow and her story would have been in here. But we don't hear anything about that. So hang on to that. There's a reason for all this. I'm going to go over to uh, 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. Yeah, I'll skip that one for now. I'll go back to Samuel. 1 Kings 17. We're going to meet up with Elijah. 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 And we're going to find out about a widow and her son. that only have a piece of bread and a little oil. This is in uh, chapter 17 of 1 Kings, starting in verse 8, very briefly. There's a purpose to all this, so hang with me. The Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went there he arrived at the gates of the village and he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. This was literally her last meal. He's asking for a part of that meal. She's probably thinking, how in the world can you ask me for something I don't have? She's being honest from the bottom of her heart. She says, listen, this is all I have. You don't understand, Mr. Preacher Man. You're asking me for something, but I don't have it. What I do have is not even enough for me and my son. In fact, this will probably be our last meal. Mm, crisis. Verse 13. But Elijah, with a J, okay, it's important you remember that, Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. And we see that in God's Word so many times when we're in a crisis. Don't be afraid. Do, not fear. Why does God say that so many times to us? Because it's the one thing that we see so much of is fear. He knows we struggle with it. And in light of this reality of this situation, real hunger, real pain, real financial toil, real poverty, This woman wasn't just poor. She was PO. P-O. Not even just P-O-O. She PO. That poor. She had nothing. In light of this, God says, I'm here. He says, don't be afraid. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Can you imagine the leap of faith that would take? Listen, I I, I don't even have enough for me and my sons. And you want it? First, he says, Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. If you will give to me first. Elijah said, God has said there will be plenty. You won't have to worry. There'll be food. It, it, you're not going to have an issue. You see, the, the problem with sometimes asking a prophet or a preacher or a God or whoever, and we see many samples of this in the Bible, for a miracle, is we want it on our terms. We don't always understand how God is working. In fact, I'd say most times we don't understand how God is working. But when we ask for a spiritual intervention, when we ask for a miracle... And we, we look at the way it's going to be done. We go, that doesn't make sense to us. What, why? Would, it takes a lot of faith. Most times when God intervenes, it's in a, in a supernatural way. It doesn't make sense that she would give Elijah the last piece of bread and whatever she had. And then she, you know, she literally gave it all away. And then he says, well, you, you, you will never want for anything more and never be hungry again. And there will always be flour. Doesn't say sometimes. Doesn't say if you're good. Doesn't say if you don't cuss today. Doesn't say if you don't smoke today. Doesn't say if you don't watch Netflix today. Doesn't say any of that. I'm just using those in modern day terms. He says, There will always be flour for you if you trust me and take a step of faith. Another crisis situation for this mother, for this widow, and this son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. Left. They pour it out, and you go back, and it's there. Pour it out, go to the container, the bread's still there. It's like someone's restocking the bread cabinet all the time, and the oil so is just always there. Doesn't make sense, does it? So she did as Elijah said in verse 15, And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised Elijah hmm. let's go over to first Samuel let's meet Hannah Hannah's barren first Samuel let's look at uh, let's just start in verse 9 of first Samuel chapter 1 Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Hmm. So, here we have a woman who's not had any children, asking for a child, and she gives birth to Samuel. says in verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, he says, The entire family got up early the next morning, went to the worship of the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. Elkanah slept with Hannah. The Lord remembered her plea. And in due time she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Hmm. How much did... uh, the Lord, remember Hannah. How much did he appreciate what Hannah had done? Well, if you we go to First Samuel chapter two, starting in verse 18, I'll pick it up a little bit early. Verse 18, First Samuel chapter two. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year, his mother made a small coat for him. And brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. And listen to this, verse 21. The Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. So how did God remember Hannah? Hannah? Not with just the one son when she was barren, but three sons and daughters. Whole family. Because of her faith in her crisis situation. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We meet Elisha. Not Elijah, this is Elisha. <clears throat> and that's where I'll stop today. I'm not going to go to any other, give the examples of mothers, widows, sons. These are just four, there are many more. So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says this, in my Bible says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So notice that she approaches the prophet. She, she approaches. She comes with a request. Oftentimes we come to God with a request. And watch how he answers. Watch what happens. Verse 2. Elisha asked, What can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She says, nothing at all except a flask of oil, olive oil. And Elisha said, okay. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. (coughs) Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars. Set each one aside when it is filled. So she did As she was told, her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another and soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. No, he didn't just say that, did he? He did not just say that. Before they, they started this, this story, where she had nothing, very little, like the previous story. But she asked for help. And he says, what can I do to help? And his response is unorthodox, supernatural, really strange. And if she had stopped there and said, well, please, I'm not going to do that. Listen, did you not hear what I said? I don't have enough. I just got this little jar, a little bread, that's all I got. And most of us, almost all of us would say, you're right, that doesn't make any sense to do what he just now said to do. Folks, the thing we can pull from that lesson is if you're bold enough to ask God to fix it, are you bold enough to do what he says to fix it? God will give you some strange responses sometimes and it's not always in your time frame. And sometimes it seems a little silly. Take that step of faith. Man, I've been on a walk even the last uh, month or so. Changed jobs in the uh, other side of my life. Stupid. Changed jobs three times. In six weeks. God is sovereign. God brought me through that. God said to do that. I thanked him, and now I'm very at peace. I'm I'm very happy with where I'm at. Will he change it in six weeks? I don't know, but I'm gonna take the step. You know, it was it was embarrassing to tell people, you know, I just I love this job and I gotta do this, you know. And and you know what? Fine. I, I would rather God look at me and say, Good and faithful servant, well done. I want to I wanna serve and please God. I don't really care what y'all think. I mean, I do, but I don't. I mean, it, what you think and what you how you judge me is it completely irrelevant to my eternal salvation? Okay, now I want to be nice to you. I don't mean that. You know what I'm saying? God is God. Amen. And God acts here, and and Elijah, Elisha, he says, he says, uh, 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 borrow as many empty containers as you can find. So when we in this situation. Or reaching out to others. Going into other people's homes. Getting their emptiness. Getting their empty containers. And follow me on all this. On all four of these stories. We see in a crisis situation. The way to get out of the crisis situation. Is to minister to others. Did you hear me? You want to stop having your pity party? Then start partying up with one of your friends. And I don't mean with beer and booze. I don't don't mean that at all. I mean do something for somebody else. Get off your butt and go do something for somebody. There's always a blessing in serving others. Always. With the right motive, right? With the right heart. The lesson in the crisis is if you want to get out of the crisis, minister. Minister to somebody. See, we heard in the writing this morning as we read it and even in the songs that All of us have an opportunity to minister to others. You don't have to be a preacher to do that. Your life exemplifies who you are. It speaks to people. Ruth followed Naomi because of who she was. And she saw the godly woman that she was and she said, I'm not going to go back where it's easy. I'm going to follow your God will be my God. And as a result of that, we have the lineage of Jesus Christ. Wow! And that's the other thing. The things that happen in our lives now, we always do, don't always see it. We don't see what happens in other generations because we're not there. You're a blessing to somebody. All of you, whether you're a mother, a father, or a kid. But today, mothers, you're a blessing. Yes. You have two widows who have their kids and they're destitute. They got nothing. They got nothing. And we see this example here of Elisha he says, okay, go and get as many empty containers you can find in your neighborhoods." The boys went and they gathered them up. And every time they bring an empty container in, they go in behind the doors, they close the doors. Why? Because oftentimes when God is working a miracle in the eyes of believers, He doesn't want anybody but the believer to see it because the non-believers don't going to believe it anyway. It doesn't make sense. How do the jars get full? How, how do we explain that? Because if that would happen, we'd have all kinds of scientists on it. We'd have them as projects. We'd have them injected with stuff. We'd have microscopes and everything. We'd, we'd have a committee and we'd debate it. We'd have it on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. And they say, There's no way it could possibly happen. We need to see it to believe it. They don't. God works miracles. In a crisis situation, minister to others, you might think, Well, how was this widow and these boys ministering to others. Because they were filling their jars. And when you bring your emptiness to God, He will fill it. She was offering something in return for their emptiness. When there is no more emptiness to fill, there is no more divine interaction to fill it. This is why we see that He says, there aren't any more. He told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. You see, when there is no more emptiness to fill, there is no more divine interaction to fill it. God stops working when there's no other place for his work to go. Do you hear me? God stops working when there's no other place for his work to go. when there's nothing remaining for him to do, to fill, he cuts it off from anything. He stopped the flow. He stopped. Because God will take you as far as your faith will allow you to go. In this story. People came in with empty vessels. They filled them. There weren't any more to fill. I'm not going to... What are you going to do with all the extra? Well, I'll tell you what he's going to do with the extra. Elisha says this in verse second half of verse 7. Now remember, they had nothing to start with. Very little. They filled the neighbors. This has gone on for hours. Now, sell the olive oil. And pay your debts. And your sons can live on whatever's left over. So now no longer, they can start it off with she could not pay her debts and somebody was going to take her boys and put them into bondage. That turned into sell the olive oil. You got so much. You got so much left over. Now you can live on it. You'll never have to worry again. Crisis. In a crisis situation, Minister to others. And all of these stories, they're ministering to others. Even in Samuel. Samuel's mother, Hannah, was devoted to God and gave up her son to the ministry. And in return, God remembered her and gave her other sons and daughters. And there's story after story after story like that in the Bible. Job is another example. Lost everything, but everything was returned to him in a higher, greater proportion now, that doesn't mean that his losses weren't real, The any of our losses aren't real. But in times of crisis, ministering to others is the key. Now, we've got to be careful with some of that. This is not a promise that you give $10, you're going to get $100 back. That's not what this means. You're trying to give us an illustration in the Old Testament of a new concept of that is giving from the heart, giving with the right attitude, giving with the right heart, and that you want to know the secret to getting out of a crisis, getting out of your funk, getting out of whatever it is that's going on in your life, Try serving someone other than yourself. There will be blessings. How they come, I don't know. I don't know. But oftentimes, people who want more money are also the ones that won't give money. People who want to be treated kindly do not treat other people with kindness. People who want to be forgiven are often ones that don't forgive. People who don't want who want to be happy are often the ones who are angry do you see what i'm saying so if there's something you want maybe what you need to do is begin to minister to others step out of your comfort zone into the supernatural realm and do what god tells you to do love others as you love yourself we say well, i don't even love myself that much well you get up every morning you put on a coat you brush your teeth you brush your hair you take a shower whatever. listen you do enough to sustain yourself he says all you gotta do is just do enough to sustain others help others." Be the Jesus in the flesh that other people are not even going to see. Your testimony can be as simple as that. And for all of us in here, we talk about our moms. Man, my mom is a testimony, right? Man, I, I'm, I, you know, my mom is still alive. I'm very fortunate. But boy, one of these days, she won't be. And you see all the posts in social media today on people remembering their mothers and you heard the song about the dust on the Bible. You can't help but weep. Moms, you're important to us. I don't care how, I'm 55, my mom's doing my mom, right? I'm still her little boy. Always will be. Moms, we love you. And moms oftentimes are the ones in the Bible that teach us. You want to get out of this situation? Follow me. Do what I do. Minister to others. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for our mothers today here. Lord, thank you for four wonderful candid stories. Lord, I just ask for your blessing here this morning and on the rest of our services. Uh, may it be pleasing to your ears. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, I'd, Lord, I just pray that they would recognize their sin and who they are. Ask for forgiveness and turn from it and repent and receive your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. That's all we want. Fill our, fill our pots with oil. Right. In Jesus' name.